Hey, it's cameras time. Hey, <laughs> we've got a guest today. We have uh, Jeff Way of Will Koshin Way. Hey, Jeff. Hello. Jeff's a fellow Calgarian that is currently living in Berlin and Ooh. shoots shoots people as you told me to describe it. This is true. Um, <laughs> tell me a little. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Wow, I didn't think it was going to be that kind of questions. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. We I work in a partnership with uh, Marta. She's a Wilkosh in Wilkosh and Way. And, uh, yeah, we moved to Berlin about three years ago. And, um, yeah, it's wonderful. Which was really, I think, too bad for the Calgary photo scene because you guys are exceptional. Definitely uh, some of the best You guys best will stuff, survive. So. <laughs> Lots of great people <laughs> here Some, still. Somehow we've barely been getting by, but it's, <laughs> nice, it's nice that you guys still come back to us. Yeah, why um, not? You're also on Stocksy. I am. Which is fun. So yeah. we're all Stocksy pals here. Yeah. And Cameron's here. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, I forgot to turn your video off. I'm, I'm going to turn your video off, Cameron. Yeah, I'm turning you off, too. Although, actually, I'm going to leave yours on, if, unless you're turning my, yours off. <laughs> I can leave it on if you want. It's easier to, to read lips. Okay, well, then let's just leave, let's leave it on. Let's have a, a video that the audience can't see <laughs> episode today. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We were, uh, Jeff and I were talking over coffee last night. We were, uh, yeah, we were having coffee, talking about photography and uh what came up was light meters which is something we had been talking about in the last episode kind of briefly right mostly saying that we um don't we don't really know how to use them (laughs) (laughs) effectively (laughs) and since then i came up with i think a perfect analogy of what i really think of them and it's like um it's much like playing an instrument that you you can have a band and be very successful without n- understanding any music theory. Mm-hmm. You can not know how a chord is structured or, mm-hmm. you know, what a, what a perfect fifth is or like why a power chord is a power chord. And you can still move your hands up and down the fretboard and make limitless songs. You can play all the songs you want. And the way that it works with reading music, okay, especially guitar is that there's numbers on the fretboard and all you need to read is like, just put your finger at number one and then at number six. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you just like, you just read the numbers and move them around, but you may never know what you're doing. You're right. just kind of following instructions and then you start doodling around with it and you're just like playing what sounds right to you. And you can write yeah. songs like that mm-hmm. and you can take it really far. Light meters are the theory where all of a sudden you understand the relationship between these notes on the fretboard. You understand everything that is inside of the chord that you're playing. You understand what a scale is. Um, at least this is how I think it works. But I don't use the light meter. <laughs> Jeff, am I making any sense? Yeah, I think that's. I think it's fair. I mean, I, I mean, it's a pretty basic instrument for the most part. Like it, it tells you what what to set your camera. It's like if you use it generally, it is is like using you know a P setting or something. Really, if you just you know put it in front of you and click the button. It is kind of like using P, but I think um, if you're using a lot of strobes and more complex lighting, it's nice to know what every individual thing is at. Or if you're mixing daylight and and strobe or daylight and uh, you know fluorescent or whatever is in the in the situation, it's nice to know kind of where everything's getting placed. Right. And I think that's kind of the advantage of using a light meter. I mean, you can just aim your camera, take a photo, look at it. And I mean, it, I mean, it does it does work, but I mean, I think kind of where it's derived from 
in the olden days, I mean, we're talking up to the 80s or maybe early 90s, um, it was really technical. Like you're using film, there's a lot more um, things that can go wrong, maybe is what I would say. So, and it's more expensive when it goes wrong. This is true. I mean, mm-hmm. back then, that's all you had, so it was just <laughs> what it cost. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, like technically, like something like um, Ansel Adams with the zone system, mm-hmm. like that was a combination of how you metered and how you processed to get the range you wanted. So I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it had more of a had more of a use back then than it probably does now. Well, mm-hmm. now, now, how often do you use it? Do you use it for everything? Because you're using it for digital as well. You're not just not yeah, just for I, your film stuff. Yeah, it's I use it in my hand the whole time, yeah. or my back pocket. But, or, and for context, your stuff is usually in pretty controlled environments. Mm, Generally, you, you don't do a lot of like location or um, events. Yeah. So much. Yes. Yes. I mean, we do shoot on location, but we do. It's virtually the same idea. Just yeah. You're not just location. you're not just capturing what is what there. Is you're there. Yeah. you're adapting it and, mm-hmm. and modifying it. And and, and if so, you were to, like if you're just point and shooting, would you not worry about it as much? Like, do you ever trust your camera or? Um. Yes, but I feel that uh, what I do is I meter and then I just set the camera and then I start taking photos. Mm-hmm. Like I don't take a photo and then look at the back of the camera to see if I'm right. Right. Because I, I, I know, I know it's what I, you know, like I, I've done it for a long time and it is just what it is, I guess. And where did this, you, cause you went to, you went to school, right? Yeah. You, went you and Margo went to ACAD yeah. together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, this is how you learned from the beginning, right? This is just yes, how correct. you always did it. Correct. Which I think is a real advantage. I think with the music analogy, the same thing happens if people learn from somebody that forces them to, to understand music theory, mm-hmm. they're always going to have an advantage forever. Instead of yep. if you, if you learn everything and then try to go back to the theory, it can be a real challenge mm-hmm. as I think Cameron and I face that challenge now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I will say the, the digital, like look, taking the photo and looking at the back. I mean, in the day when only film, I mean, you shot Polaroid, mm-hmm. like Polaroid wasn't something fun. You take pictures of your friends with, it was, was actually expensive. like, it was actually a workhorse. Like you set up your lights, you metered it, you took a Polaroid, you looked at it, showed the client. And it was like a, kind of like the first, first frame on digital in a way. Yeah, it was like a proof. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's different now. Well, the way that I, I had been thinking about needing to, to use them more and learn to um, be better with a light meter is from shooting video. Mm-hmm. Just talking about, um, and so in, cinematographers have to have a light meter. You're lighting a whole room that a camera moves through Mm -hmm. or an actor moves through and it needs to behave correctly in all these different places. And you, um, you just can't see it. Like you don't. Another factor actually I was thinking about on the way here is that nowadays, a lot of the time you'll shoot really flat for video. That's how you do raw. So there's no contrast in your image. When you look at the image, you you can't tell at a glance what the shadows really are. Right. Like you you don't really know the ratios at all. You, you, I mean, you can kind of guess, but you need to count on like what what I do right now. Not being that comfortable with the light meter, like I do basic meter readings, but then I kind of count on my like waveform, right? Um, which is right. you know like a like a histogram kind of thing that just um, gives you a sense of where everything is really at. Like what are the white points actually? Right. What are right. the grays? No, that's fair. Um, but you're but you're not getting the relationship. Right. That's nice. what I want a light meter for. I want, I want to be able to immediately jump to a certain ratio. Right. Um, 
that's part of that. That would happen if I learned this, right? Like that's part. Yeah, of it. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I feel like we use ratios a lot, um, you know, for shaping like faces and clothes and that I feel you use the ratios a lot. I mean that, and that's something like really classic photography and you know, art, I guess is, is, is like, you know, car skiro and you know, like this, mm-hmm. this look, like I think it's kind of tied in. And I mean, I did learn it in school. I mean, they, it was like a basic assignment that we had to like do ratio, like one to two, one to four, you know, one to eight, you know, split lighting, this kind of thing. And um, I mean, it's really, it is very helpful to do that. Well, and I think what happens with us, because it's probably, especially mostly people that are sort of more self-taught or or internet Mm -hmm. taught in my case, I don't know, (laughs) that uh, do do it more by feel. So it's not that I don't recognize what these ratios are. I just don't have any numbers attached to them. Right. right? So as I'm flipping lights on and off and turning them up and down, I kind of just, I'm really comfortable with my lights. I've been using the same ones for years. And Mm -hmm. I just know, like, if I just pull this this far, I know what happens. Right. But it's so much by feel, and that's not very predictable. Like, I can't, let's say I was going to do a shoot over um, several weeks that all needed to have the exact same look. Right. That becomes a lot more challenging if you yes. don't have numbers to attach to it, if you're just setting them up by estimation each time. Right. And yep. because also you can't just set your light to the same setting because if the distance changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or the ratio to the natural light, or, you know, you can't do it by the setting numbers. Um, It's just not helpful. So, I don't know, how do we get started? How do we, uh, once once you're holding light meter and you know what the reading it gives you is, like, what do you do with that information? Is it, should I start practicing understanding what ratios look like? Is that somewhere I should go? Like, what should I do? Yeah, it's not a terrible idea. You could, you you don't even use a human, you could use an orange, (laughs) if you'd like. Um, it's not a bad idea. I mean, I mean, especially with digital cameras, there's like no, there's no cost or the, you know, like it, it's just your time. So, I mm-hmm. mean, it's not a terrible idea, but I mean, I mean, under, I mean, using it, I think, uh, I mean, it, it kind of ties into your lighting and stuff too, like how lighting looks too. Like it, it, it I mean, it would be not a terrible idea to test all your lighting with all your modifiers and things and see actually what things look like. And I mean, you can tie in metering, I think into that. Mm-hmm as well and like the fall off of stuff like the fall off of like a softbox compared to like a beauty dish and when you get to the edges of it like what yeah do you you use it like that like that uh i hadn't been thinking about that but just Mm -hmm. measuring having a metric for fall off for me it's so much that's very much a by feel thing i don't i don't have a clear understanding of what is happening between you know a larger umbrella and a smaller one right when i switch between different modifiers it's like i can see that they're changing but yeah, I, I, I definitely don't have that really um, num- numerical under, understanding of what it's doing. But yeah. <laughs> right. So w- what are you looking for? Like in that fall, like basically you just see that in this distance, it's dropped a few stops. I mean, and you're, I mean, a lot of times, well, I mean, it gets complex without being a crabby old man, I think. <laughs> but um, like lighting, like people I find use really broad lighting generally these days. It's a lot of like big octagon soft boxes and stuff, and it's really just like blah, you know, it's what it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you, that's what works for you, do it. But um, like, no one uses like the edge of lights anymore. Like, someone like Dan Winters, for example. Love um, Dan Winters. Right. Like, but he, how he uses light is actually really interesting. And when you look at some of his setup, classic setups, excuse me, <clears throat> he's using tons of light, but. He'll use a giant softbox, and then in front of the softbox, you'll have 
a um I love that I'm doing hand motions, but no one can see me. Um, in front of the softbox, he'll have um, a beauty dish. And so the softbox will give a general feel for the shadows at a certain f-stop. The, the beauty dish will actually be the highlight on the face. So stuff like that, like I think that's where the metering really comes in because you know what your general is, you know what the background is, and then you place it like a movie set like we were saying and today as well. Um, you see where everything's placed in ratios, and then you set your camera accordingly so that the face is a highlight, the shadows are filled properly, and then it has a look. See, Dan, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Dan Winters because he's somebody that I've stared at his portraits quite a bit and then tried to emulate things I'm seeing in it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one example is I've seen him doing using the uh, his ring light as, as the fill as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's the whole scene is kind of lit like a normal photo, and then there's just this invisible ring light right. that you don't see until you've stared at it for a little while. Right. But when I've tried to set those up, it's very hard to guess that kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like lights that are interacting on a very similar plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both, they're, they're, like, they're both form, uh, performing a similar function, except one's just, um, yeah, doing a bit more of like a fill. I don't know. It's, yeah, that's... I would love to be able to achieve more Dan Winters style things. Yeah, that's, I think that, I mean, he, and he also, I would say, uses a lot of edge light of lights well, and lots of scrims and stuff that yeah, actually uh, force the edge to be soft. I was like, going to say, do you know what he's doing with like, I've also seen that quite a few times he'll, he'll seem to be flagging things off mm-hmm. as well. Like he'll, you can see the light just cut like right. across the face or across yeah, the side of the face. Absolutely. And that's all he's just, He's flagging. What's he doing with the edge of the light then? Like that's to to soften. What? Yeah, it because it, it, it has its own fall off the edge of a light. Mm-hmm. Like it it it's softer and it also it's hard to explain. But yeah, falls off is probably the best term I could use. So it kind of has a little more wrapping quality to it. Right. Like if it's if it's catching the edge of a face, it's going to wrap softer around the face into black. Then if you put us if you put the whole light on the face and aimed it and then the, the shadow would be black, but it would be way much harder. Right. So it's a softer um, shadow. It's a softer shadow really. And it, it, it adds a lot more, it adds a lot of dimension to be honest. And it's like that the, the range from the highlight to the, you know, where the fades to a, from a shade to a black that's, or to a, it has a nicer gradual tone. That's also um, the Annie Leibovitz way. That's mm-hmm. how she does it too. Yeah. She uses like massive, um, octagon soft boxes mm-hmm. and, and never points them directly at the subject. They're always like yeah. pointed. So it's just the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, a, I had a friend from photo school that actually was her assistant for a while. Mm. And he tell talked, us everything. Oh. <laughs> well, he was, he was talking about, it. it was pretty impressive, but he was saying that she used like, a lot of those big soft boxes, but she would run um, like three, four silks on top of them. Mm. Like to really yeah. get that skin cream, you know, the creamy skin mm. she did with celebrities. I, that completely makes sense. Cause I, I've tried that similar look. Like I've watched a lot of her behind the scenes videos and they're always made for like a fashion audience, not a photographer audience. So they're <laughs> not, they're not giving anything away. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is, yeah, if you just see this, like some of the Marie Antoinette ones, they're lighting mm-hmm. these giant rooms and they have, it looks like the whole wall is soft boxes. But if you just glance at them, the way that you get to in the video, you don't really get the key information of like, how do they make them look not like my soft, my soft box doesn't like, no, I have yeah. a big one. It doesn't look anything like this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's just those really subtle things about it that yeah. are, are hard to spot someone mm-hmm. else doing and um, can be a, 
you know, are part of kind of like a next level of, of mm-hmm. working with it. Right. I think it's really helpful to understand it when you're actually holding that softbox for her. Yeah, I see that all the time in her too. People are like yeah. hand holding it and yeah. just like barely Above moving. Heads, yeah. yeah, I mean that's yeah. And I, I, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> she usually has a crew um, of at least I would say like a minimum of six and mm-hmm. up imagine. to eighteen people mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. on a set. Why not? Yeah, I got yeah, I got no. to, I got to assist for her one time in DC for really? a uh, yeah wow. for a, for a Vogue photo shoot that was done on the uh, the Capitol grounds, and so the the rules there is that you cannot put any stands down, right? It's a, a you know security risk or whatever, and so mm-hmm. um, everybody is is forced to hold everything, and you know this is it's not like a, a quick shoot, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> you got these guys who are like holding, they have like these belts on and the, the belts are holding the poles. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, they're holding these massive soft boxes and the wind's blowing. And, uh, <clears throat> it was, yeah, it was pretty interesting to, to, to see how that she was doing that. Cause she was actually, you know, um, the way that she was directing all of the, uh, the edge lighting was really fascinating. Can, can you then, describe it in a way that like we can walk away with, like a, a lesson from it. So I can give me something I can try next time. I'll try to, I'm not sure how it relates to, to light meters, but I, I can tell you that her, her main assistant was using one. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was one on set. Yeah. So, um, for the general lighting, she was using the sun and then, um, I was mm-hmm. actually holding a just unbelievably massive, uh, umbrella that she called an uncle Sam. It was on mm-hmm. a really, really long pole. And I've never seen anything like this before. It's the only time I've ever seen it. It was really, really heavy. And I was holding that up to block or to diffuse the light on all like 11 women in this shot. Wow. So you can imagine. And um, what kind and then, of distance, like how far were you from what's, what's happening here? Um, we were probably about 10 to 15 feet in mm-hmm. front of the subjects. And, uh, like I was like literally exactly where Annie was. She was actually stepping on my feet half of the time, which was pretty amusing considering that I was holding this weight above a bunch <laughs> of senators <laughs> and being like really freaked out because my arms were shaking like mad. Um, Talk about a security risk. Yeah. And then, you know, some random strangers like, Hey, that looks heavy. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the two soft boxes, she had two, God, I want to say like, you know, 81 inch or something like that. Just mm-hmm. massive octoboxes and um, powered on, you know, pro photo strobes. And so the, the photographer also had to carry the, the power packs. Um, and then, uh, or the lighter, sorry, the assistant. And so they had the two, um, those two lights on either side, the, on the right and left, both creating the edge light from about, you know, four or five feet in front of the subjects. And the, they were sh- shining the light at each other and not the subjects. So it was literally all just edge light. And it was so subtle. It was beautiful. Yeah, subtlety mm-hmm. a lot of the time is what differentiates this kind of work. Like, the harder it is to break down what actually happened mm-hmm. in the shoot, the more impressed that I am. I love when I look at something and I'm like, I just don't, I don't know how they did this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that yeah, doesn't mean think- a lot of lights. It just means using them well. True. Well, I think that really differentiates like what I consider good lighting and bad lighting is because if it's it, it's obviously it's it's dependent on what the subject is because in a lot of cases 
you know, depending if the subject is something that's not supposed to be a mystery, it's it's and it's better if the if the light is honest and you can tell exactly what it is. That's why I like um, just you know, uh, you know, like a speed light right on top of your camera. You know, it's because you right. know that it's what it is, what it is. It's an honest thing. Whereas, like <clears throat> a lot of you know, uh, stock lighting, I'll say, you know, it's it's. You know, it's it's done to a to a nice laugh. It's done to an effect where it's like, you know, they're they're trying to make it more than what it is, right? So they're trying to em- place this emphasis on a subject that that doesn't belong, right? And it looks kind of just silly after a while. You you see it and you're like, well, it's a lot of light. It's really slick, um, but it's also you know, if it's not done really really carefully the gig is up you see how it was done and then you know like how much work went into it and then it feels really ridiculous yeah. like mm-hmm. wow how many lights did you place on that fruit yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean i think that um i agree that like i love it when i can't tell how it was done um but and you know it's it's not to say that i don't love you know like really intricate lighting i do i just i also think that it's it's so dependent on the subject yeah well, like an example of like a challenging thing, a, a subtlety is that a lot of the time, if you're just throwing down lights and not thinking too hard about it, is you don't end up paying attention to say how how deep your shadows actually are. Right. And a lot of it's not a lot of it's about that you never made a decision. It just it just is the way that it was when you right. put the light there. You didn't. They're not dark because you wanted them to be necessarily. Right. It's just because well. There was no, there was nothing, ref- there wasn't a white wall nearby, but if there happened to be one, then your, your shadows might've been twice as bright. Mm-hmm. Um, and not considering that is a disadvantage in the long run. Like a, mm. I think a whole other end of this actually, of just having really tight control is where you want to be able to take your career. Because if you're going to be working for clients that are really particular, which any high end client would be, mm-hmm. you have to be able to make those changes as they're needed. You can't mm-hmm. just like, I, well, I thought it looked pretty good out of camera, but yeah. I don't really know how to take it anywhere else from, from here. Right? right. Or, um, if your, if your conditions don't just f- fall together, uh, like I've seen this with, um, like, you know, kind of journalistic photographers end mm-hmm. up struggling a bit if they need to really control their environment. Right. All of a sudden it's like, you don't if you don't know how to fill when there's just no natural light where you need it to be then no, you're fair. stuck and it's hard to deliver what you're supposed to and what you want to and you can't just walk away because you're not inspired that day like i think that's a big part of it is the difference between once there's somebody counting on you like you have to get this shot right, right now yeah. because mm-hmm. they just flew a model out here for you and yeah. um you 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 can't you can't just have it be what you, the ideal version of the shoot that you wish it was. You need to pull something out of your butt and yeah. mm-hmm. just make it work. That's fair. I mean, I think that has to do with knowing your equipment as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ranges or it's possibilities as well. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's always a process, right? I mean, every, I think any shoot that's not just, uh, you know, right there happening in front of you and you're just capturing it. Anytime mm-hmm. you're setting up any kind of shoot, it's a process. Well, I think your your any shoot you were describing is a great example of a, ch- a challenge. Is just mixing strobes outdoors. Mm-hmm. Most most people d- can't pull that off very yeah. well. Even people that are really good in studio and good outdoors, yeah. bringing them together is really hard. Mm-hmm. And I 
don't always succeed with that. Like I, I don't, I don't have a lot of confidence with it, but right. I, Hey, maybe a light meter would help. Um, a light meter would definitely help. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the, like the n- new ones that look like iPhones? I'm looking at one right now. That's what I rented. And I really I kind of didn't like the interface. It's interesting because you can kind of do any, you can do so much with it right. because it's a full like digital screen, but uh, like, which, what, what kind are you using? Like they haven't um, changed much over the years. No, right? I, I mean, mine's old. It's like a psychonic um, six, six hundred, six oh five. I don't even know. Tell yeah. you the truth. But, but it has like the, really it has have, like a spot meter yeah. in it and everything. And they it's really have nice. not updated them much, like over no. twenty years. No, I mean it, a lot of the like same ones. It's a ones very are still simple thing. I think those new ones, which I don't, I don't even know. I've never seen one, but I'm assuming they have um, some sort of like wire, like a lot of wireless capabilities, but probably also multi uh, speed lights and things. I'm imagining, or speed light or Nikon's version, like so they're all connectivity, so you can actually pick and choose. I'm assuming that's where they're going. It's, uh, it's actually not that advanced here i'm trying to pull one up on the internet for you now and uh everybody at home just uh check the show notes Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's what i'd hope for you know like i'd hope that you could actually communicate with your entire setup no Mm -hmm. so it didn't have uh like a smart internal computer the one that i was using it was basically still just a dumb light meter it was just because there's a screen you can modify things more. So like it had cinema modes, which were kind of nice where you're like, okay, now I'm switching between, um, uh, the sh- uh, shutter speed and shutter angle, right. which like, I yeah. don't, I don't know if you can always do that. Yeah. Old ones. Yeah. They do. They do all this yeah, stuff. You can do, thing, yeah. you can save like all these different memory slots of different no, readings. Definitely not memory. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, some might've had that, but I mean, uh, not really. Um, you'd hope that it would be smart. I, I don't think it was smart <laughs> enough. Like, I feel like the old one is just going to outlast this, like right. this, like full color touchscreen. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. doesn't seem as robust to me as something with a bunch of buttons on it. Fair enough. I mean, cause I think pro photo, I mean, their air, their syncing system that has that digital thing. I think that pretty much can control their lights. Yeah. So really, why wouldn't they, yeah, that'd why be, wouldn't they that'd be great. make that happen? Well, and then there is one that is iPhone uh, specific the uh, Lumu Lu- I should have looked it up before I started saying uh, is well, this are there the, a lot is this there the... a lot of different light meter apps uh, yes, oh no no, no but not apps so okay that's, that's worth talking about for a second mm-hmm. um, first I'll bring up the Lumu so basically it's Lumu that sounds so... yeah. Lumu <laughs> Lumu Luminous I don't know it's like you. Uh, yeah you just stick a like a, a photo diode receptor whatever yeah. you call it Uh, The light meter part of the light meter on top of your phone into your headphone output on the bottom of your phone. And uh, then there's an app that like takes readings and Mm -hmm. it's great. The only thing is it's like only incident you can't do. You can't sync it with strobes. Um, So there's kind of a big limitation, but it's only 150 bucks. I I think it's a great idea. I I, I agree. It's a good idea. Yeah. I haven't bought it just because I feel like I still need a full one to because I, because I use strobes too often, right? Mm-hmm. but it's, it's really interesting. So the apps I've tried using the apps a bit and I just do not find them consistent because it's using a camera. Like if I'm going to use a camera, I might as well use my five D. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to pull out like something <laughs> with a really great yeah. light meter inside. And that I know, I know I can set it to spot in a certain way. Like I can yes. control it yes. very carefully and I haven't found that on phones. Mm-hmm. So that looks really nice. looks cool. Yeah, it was a kick. It was a Kickstarter thing. I think mm. it's neat. So, so, Jeff, I'm curious. When you're using your light meters, um, how often are you using the spot meter versus the incident? 
Um, not very often. The spot meter. It's just if you need a high, really want to control your highlight, like a really, you know, like if there, if it's catching a one spot. But typically, um, I just use the dome. Not even because you can take the dome off and it's a reflective meter, mm-hmm. which is a whole other bag of worms. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> but usually I just use the dome and uh, I, I control which light, what light, so I can get ratios going. But yeah, I don't use the spot meter too much, but it would be nice for out, uh, usable for outdoors. Like if you're shooting landscape or something, you can really yeah. pinpoint like, you know, mountain snow, for example. Mm. Zone system stuff, right? Exactly. Uh, can you can you give us a rundown of the zone system in like a few minutes? I've read the Wikipedia, but that's yeah. about as much as I understand <laughs> it. Um, I don't, I'm not insanely, I don't remember a lot of it. Do you like use it? Do you think about it while you're shooting? I, I, when I was in school, I did use Mm. it. Um, Yeah, me too. That was, that was the extent. Yeah. I mean, I use it in a way, but it's just like placing highlights in what zone. Um, yeah, (laughs) it's like, it's basically like putting the face like a half stop hotter or one stop hotter, putting the highlight in a zone seven, which is two stops hotter than. The, the average uh, exposure. Okay, so it's the relationship between yes between yeah. your what yeah. your highlight and what exactly. your normal. And what five, your, five would be medium gray, right? right? Exactly, yeah. And then seven would be your average whites, exactly, and then three yeah. would be your average blacks, and then you got yeah. like one is is a pure black and ten black. is a pure white. Mm-hmm. So how the zone system worked with the film was, I think you should end up shooting for the highlight and then processing. For the shadows, in black and white. Mm-hmm. So you would, um, depending on uh, how many stops it was, difference, you would pull, pull or push your film. If that makes sense, right. mm-hmm. it's it's either that way or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, it's been it's been so long, but like when I was uh, <laughs> when I was in school, I was obsessed with with learning it. Yeah, and uh, I agree. you know, I was like, this is the coolest stuff. And then you know, like. I was so focused on getting perfect exposures that like I completely forgot to work on my compositions. Right. Fair enough. And so yeah, I mean, then I had to, it was kind of like just having to start over. I did the same yeah. thing with playing guitar. I learned all these modes and had no idea how to play chords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does seem like, it sounds like mode modes to me. Mm-hmm. Like when you first explain it, it just is gibberish, but then like there's clarity just slightly through the fog. Well, I think the really neat thing is is how you how the interplay between capture versus um, processing the film because right. it's exactly like what you say. You expose for the highlights and then uh, develop for the shadows. Um, so you you change your you know you either push or pull depending on you know exactly how you do it. But you you know you're actually paying attention to every step of the process, right. and it's it's pretty. It's a pretty neat thing. Um, there's, there's, there's a massive level in, of intention there, which um, I think is what makes it a little bit more of an art than just you know like uh, an average photo. And there's still analogies to digital shooting as well. Like you still need to expose certain ways for certain cameras right. or certain um, yeah. conditions. I think uh, the big difference with digital and the film is like film, you had to go in with the type of film you were shooting the color temperature of the film, like color black and white, like you, ha- you had to make those decisions up front mm-hmm. where nowadays you are just shooting a, which I mean, I like as well, 
but you shoot you're shooting a nice clean file and then you decide where it's going to go yeah. to some degree once you have it you know how yeah, it lit there's, there's how so much it. latitude within a raw right. image that you can get away like Tyler and I talk about this all the time we get away with murder from this yeah. book well it's getting really interesting on on the video front there's um I don't know if you guys follow it at all, but so red has something called HDRX now and it's, so it's H- HDR built into the footage, but it's really nice. Right. So it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't look anything like HDR. HDR it's yeah. good distinction. It's basically <laughs> capturing the, every frame at a faster frame rate than the master is. Oh, so see. you get a second like, um, file that is all your highlights, like mm. down a few stops Okay. and the software very, cleanly just brings it in. And I think all of a sudden this, like the way that you, as you get more and more latitude like this, the way you need to treat your ratios and your relationship starts to shift. Like you can see so much further into shadows and highlights once things like this become more prominent. I don't know when or if this will ever be able to happen for stills, but it has to, there, there has to be some big jump. This is actually what we were saying uh, yesterday over coffee was uh, that the the big missing thing to me is still film. Like I've been talking about how frustrated I am with not being able to get good scans right. and it's, I, I don't want to give up on film, but I am exhausted by it at the same time. Right. It's kind of an uphill battle sometimes. And the thing that digital could start doing that, I the, the, the big missing piece, like right now we're starting to get colors coming into their own with the filters that we talk about, Mastin, mm-hmm. uh, VSCO, like the, they're starting to become some very mature color filtering stuff, but the the latitude is the last piece. Right. We just need a bit more in those highlights, especially. And then I really think I'll, I'll feel comfortable. I won't feel like I'm losing as much by not shooting film. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about all that. Because, you know, now that I have been shooting a lot of film again and comparing it to what I'm doing with digital, I feel like, um, at least for 35 millimeter, like I think it's, it's different with 120, but for 35 millimeter, like the latitude on a, on like my D800 is, is much greater than, than what I see from the film. Um, substantially, I I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, cause my only, the only thing I have to really watch out for when shooting with the D800 is to not overexpose. Right. Yeah. You know, then there's no saving the, the highlights. But everything right. else, like, I'm free and clear. Yeah. I mean, I think I do feel they, they look different. Like, I, I find film has a lot more mystery to it. It's like, it's the stuff that's missing, isn't it? Well, it's even, <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, that's just it. I it, mean, you, you probably are right, actually, that it's not the numerical. Yeah, amount of light of range mm. that's missing. It's just that those highlights look more ap- appealing to me. Right. Like yes. the, the, the so, missing spaces are. Is it ne- like, yeah, they like blend in yeah. in a much. Is it? Is it? No, like I don't know. Way. Like that is one well, of my things with digital is that it has this range and people is like now expected to have it, but it's not necessarily necessary to have it. Like I don't. Uh, that's why I say with film, like it has a lot more mystery to it because you, there, there isn't necessarily all the detail. Like, I don't need to know all this detail of like right. the backside well, of the side of someone's shirt. Like, definitely. I, don't care. I don't, it's not that I want those highlights to like be there and clear. I just mm-hmm. really want it to feel perfect as it right. rolls off. I don't want to see an edge. I don't want right. to. Right. That's exactly that. You just nailed it. So what it is, is that the, um, when you overexpose on film, the, the gradient 
in that in the in that highlight is smooth. Whereas right. digital, it doesn't know how to read it, so it's like it mm-hmm. usually looks really harsh or um, yeah, it suddenly clips. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And and it's and it's really unattractive because it's just there's something mm-hmm. about the way that the sensor picks it up that's just nasty. Whereas with film, it's it can be a, a feature even. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All the backlit '90s stuff <laughs> well, with all that wrap. I don't know if you could do it with the digital. No, people are trying all yeah, the time. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, I like. I, I'm a fan of the mystery. Yeah. Although I don't shoot. I mean, I shoot my digital camera. Yeah. How 80, much do eighty yeah. percent of the time? Yeah. So, do you um, shoot jobs on film? Uh, sometimes, but is the clients requested or do you choose no, to, I do just it? Choose to do? It. <laughs> and what do you what do you shoot? Are you medium uh, format usually? Yeah, medium format. I shoot <laughs> Mamiya RZ. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. This is me hating you right now. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, I bought it, I mean, I bought it in the slump, like I've had it for years, but like I bought all the accessories and all the extra stuff in the slump of no one wanting it. Like, so <laughs> I got like insane right, stuff yeah. for nothing. It was wonderful. Uh, but I, I will say the different, all oh, another difference. I'm not pro film necessarily, but I'm, it sounds like it. Um, uh, cropping in those cameras, like framing your work and looking through a big giant viewfinder. And it's like, it kind of looks live, you know, lifetime. Like it's, it's like you, I feel like it slows you down enough to actually pay attention mm-hmm. where digital, you have this idea of it's that it's, uh, you know, it's free and we can take that out later and post kind of mentality that I yeah. feel you don't, I, you just fire through in the, in the viewfinders. Even if you look at a viewfinder of a current digital camera, it compared to a, a generic film, 35 mil camera, like they're, they're still like about half the size. Like when I look at my crappy old, um, I have like a, a land two um, Canon and when I look through that thing. It's like a dream because it's huge. <laughs> it has all the space and it's like, Oh, I can actually frame with this and I'm interested what's in there. But so I think that actually has a, a bigger benefit than you think. So there's this video I want to show you and uh, anybody listening, you'll have to go to the show notes and watch it, or you can just search for Paris through Pentax and it's mm-hmm. shot from above on a Pentax six, seven, which is really large beautiful camera and it gives you a sense of what this like reality through mm-hmm. a medium format camera c- can be because it really is different it's part of it's like watching tv like yeah, you you, you it removes you it's like you're watching something that's not there but it's kind of too perfect as well like the motion is more perfect than any movie like everything is it the colors are richer it's really a mm-hmm. wonderful thing and i would love to be able to shoot digital in this same yeah, method. Be nice. Be really nice. There's no reason that would be impossible. Like, why not? Um, yeah. I mean, a Hasselblad, you put a digital back yes, on it, you're still shooting like that. Mumia as well, I think. The yeah. Pro 2. Uh, I think even those Hasselblad, the new those H, the H series or HD series, I want to say that some of those come off hmm. mm-hmm. as well. I'm not 100% on that. But yeah, it is a very different... And then just like the focusing and, and I don't know. And, and everyone loves this like you know, fall off, but like looking through these screens, cause it is a wide open aperture uh, for viewing. Um, like you really see the depth of field and, mm-hmm. and where it's being, where the fall off is. Like you can really use it. Interestingly, I feel as well. Mm-hmm. Like you move around a lot more. I feel in the 35 mil uh, digital cameras, you don't really see it in these. I mean, if you're really close, you can see it in the, but I mean, at a little bit of a distance, you don't really see where the focus lies. I mean, uh, where the fall off lies, I guess. 
Well, in, in the Hasselblad that I've been using, um, I find it, it's actually quite dim. Mm. Like, and it yeah, some makes those, things kind of harder. Some of those old me. ones had, um, you can buy better screens. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. And I probably should. Although it's not my camera. So ah. <laughs> I've been bored. I've just kind of long-term, uh, <laughs> boring it from, uh, the family. It'll be, so it'll be payments for usage. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Someday there'll be a, someday there'll be a meeting format mm-hmm. in my life, but I have yeah. no idea what it'll be yet. It will be a game changer. And well, that's also time <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start metering a lot more. Cause when yeah. I'm spending a couple bucks per shot, Oh, you to. were saying yesterday you were shooting uh eight by 10 Polaroids. Yeah. It what? was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Can tell it us was, about that? Cause it's, it sounds well, so great. I, I shot eight by 10 film before. And, uh, I mean, I've shot a ton of four by five film over the many, you know, over the years and I, which I really like, but, um, eight by 10 is a little bit of a bigger game, but yeah, I've never actually processed Polaroid. I mean, and, and now that, um, this is old Polaroid. Um, but now the, the impossible, was it expired or was it? Yeah, definitely expired. Yeah. Probably like eight, well, it has to be, I, I imagine by eight, <laughs> eight or 10 years by now. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was a nice experience because it's so much like you made an eight by 10 print. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, it's so analog and it's so the quality is so sharp and it, like it's it's really impressive. I will say eight by ten film as well as the kind of mind blowing is like shooting a large, like I don't know, fifty, sixty meg Hasselblad digital file. I would I would guess would be the similar kind of feel of like the sharpness and the detail that you get right. from it. It's amazing. Well and but, seeing the seeing that print, that physical thing. I've seen some yeah, even larger uh Polaroids yeah, in, in art galleries and stuff and it just yeah. really makes an impression that nothing else yeah. does. It's it's really unique. And also that the plane, like the film plane is that large. Right. Creates interesting yes. effects as well. Yeah. And that's also, I mean, we're talking about viewfinders, but like shooting a four by five or an eight by 10 <laughs> that you get the, you know, actual glass plate that you look at and mm-hmm. you can adjust all the planes. It's like a whole nother thing, actually. I, I will say that all the, uh, what's it called? The tilt shift, uh, uh, Instagram photos kind of destroyed that a little bit. I will say that. But, uh, um, yeah, well, I, th- I think you, you still have an advantage. I th- yeah, think yeah. people can tell the difference. <laughs> I hope so. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the tech, the idea of it's still pretty good. But yeah, it's uh, yeah viewfinder. Go buy a digital or buy a film camera. <laughs> so now we're nearing the end of the episode. Let's jump into the stuff that we're into this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, I don't know if you have anything yet. Maybe I'll start with Cameron in case you haven't thought of anything. Cameron, do you think of anything you're? Uh, you digging this week? Well, actually, this week I'm, I've been very much back um, working with this Paycon. And uh, so I, I haven't really had a chance to think about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Just been scanning and scanning and scanning? Yeah. Well, my, my, uh, my eMusic account uh, was full again, so I downloaded some good music as well. Oh, but nice. You still use eMusic, huh? I, didn't, I forgot about them. <laughs> I had an account there for quite a while. I did too. So I, I had one and then I, I, I got really pissed off at them because they changed like everything about the way that they were doing. They, they went a little bit corporate and uh, they also, the, the prices went up and just, mm-hmm. I just got irritated. And so I just stopped and then, uh, you know, I ended up going back and now they're not, they're not so corporate anymore. They've kind of gone back to their independent roots and mm-hmm. it's, you know, I feel, I feel okay about using them again. Um, and so yeah, I, I downloaded some some new tunes and I've been digging that. But um, the the Paycon has just been just such a, a an awesome thing because I can you know I'm going back through all these ancient thirty five millimeter um, rolls that I have from my early days, 
Mm-hmm. And you know most of the pictures suck, but it's it's really cool to be able to like get them all scanned in good time and relive the memories. You know, it's just it's great because I mean I can't imagine how how much I would have to pay somebody to to, yeah, to do this for me. Fair. I've probably like, already got my money's worth. So. Yeah, I have about eight rolls of film I'm waiting to send you. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. send them. I think that about my scanner as well is that the amount of money it saved me. Uh, as well, it just paid for itself probably pretty quick. Which one are you using? Uh, I have a uh, the Epson uh, 750, V750. Okay. Or 700, 700. And it's, so, um, once I got through the fo- fo- foibles, I'm going to say, <laughs> like it, it's, um, I find once you got to, how to know how to use it, I feel it's really great, mm-hmm. but I think I, there you, was but a I learning think you curve, give definitely. much better results than most people I've seen. Like I've seen your scans from it I and most people, <laughs> most people don't get that much color out of it. Like it does not usually yeah. look that good. It's, I think it's very hard to massage the way that you have yeah it is tough actually but i mean that's just i mean using stuff eventually you get used to it right but <laughs> I, I do what format uh typically six seven okay that what you're talking about yeah six seven i mean do th- i do 35 but um it's just i carry a camera with me all the time so it's like s- stuff on the street funny people whatever i'm taking photos of yeah that's the stuff that i think that the pacon is is the ideal for the, the champion for mm-hmm. you know it's just for your 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 fun film, yeah. I'm on know. eBay again right now. <laughs> uh, I see one. Uh, I see one for nine hundred and thirty six Canadian, mm-hmm. and uh, eight hundred and seventy two Canadian. Ridiculous. And I'm still not going to order one. Kind of looks yeah. like a baby bath or something. Just keep holding on. That's going to go down <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it's all hype. A porta potty. Yeah, porta potty. Baby bath. I, it's yeah, but, it's a really funny design, but. Yeah. It, it's frustratingly good looking images. Yeah, no, that's it's wonderful. It's really good, and the the best thing is that it's lightning fast for scanning. Yeah. There's, I've never, I mean, I've been scanning for ages. When I had, when I was shooting nothing but film, I had the uh, mm-hmm. Dimage image scan or whatever with <laughs> that. What the hell was that thing? The Minolta. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dimage. <laughs> and uh, you know that that was actually a a, a pretty good scanner. For, mm-hmm. for doing 35 and you could yeah. do um you know color black and white positive negative so right. it was a pretty versatile one and it was mm-hmm. um but it, it had the same issues that the nikon does which is just it's painfully slow um and the in the color correction is is you know not exactly easy yeah i mean i i do still feel that probably the better way to go about it is still um making prints and then getting yeah, you proper were scans. Telling me this, which but, isn't how I thought to approach it. Yeah. You said print like or, large prints, like eight by yeah, ten probably or twelve. Eight by 10 would be fine. And then just scan yeah, them on like because a flatbed. Because there's for color, black and white. I think you can get away with it more. I mean, printing black and white. I mean, there's a art, huge art to that, right? Like mm-hmm. making prints look wonderful. I mean, that's all. I mean, that's maybe that's losing its uh, art with people. But uh, color, I find scanning color neg. I don't feel is the best way to go about it. Well, I think it really is a good idea and I hadn't mm-hmm. considered it before because it means that your lab is dealing with that original scan. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're probably digital. I'm sure they're probably not doing yeah. it all optical, but right. still is an optical print, right? Like, well, I was thinking, that, I, is, ideally I think you'd want to do a hand, like a legitimate hand oh, print. Well, yeah. Ideally. Yeah. Cause <laughs> uh, I mean, color, maybe in Berlin, <laughs> well, there is an analog city, <laughs> but I, I find that, well, there's no one probably here that does it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure of that. 
I'm sure no one personally color prints here anymore. No. But um, the printing, like the, the, the dyes in the film and the dyes in the paper, like they were made to go together. And I will mm-hmm. say a print, a hand print, even a straight hand print in color looks better than a scanned. Yeah. A it's scanned really challenging color. to get the scans yeah. to look good. Most, yeah, yeah most wanna... scanners don't look that good. Most technicians don't know how right. to bring the best out yeah. of it. It's not simple. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right that like, it is a little bit easier to get the print to look mm, beautiful. And then but that's a whole another yeah. thing, but yeah. you know, for shoot, what, if we're talking about th- 35 would mm. like scanning a 35 yeah. four by six print still look nice. Like, um, I mean the, but you're going from digital to a digital print. I, I would probably just yeah, scan, still all I digital would probably anyway. scan the neg yeah. over that. Yeah. It would just be cheaper. Yeah. Would it be cheaper? Be too more time consuming. Way more time consuming. Know, it's definitely cheaper. Ink is expensive. Yeah. All this conversation just makes me feel worse about all my <laughs> all the film I haven't developed lately. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be fine. So, what about you, Jeff? What do you, what have you been getting into lately? Um, well, I've been vacationing, so not yeah. a lot. Cold um, Calgary. You got some new Calgary. little cameras. Yeah, I bought some cameras. I Ooh, what'd you get? I bought um, uh, Konica Big Mini. And a uh, T4, what is it? T4 Yashica. Um, yeah, went bargain shopping, found both of them for a dollar each. Yeah, these and they they both awesome were point and shoots yeah, that yeah. I've. You found I a Yashica T4 for a dollar. Mm-hmm. I bought one here last time I was here too, but for twenty five dollars. I'm not shopping in garage sales enough. And uh, <laughs> wasn't that it wasn't, like a fairly good? Pocket camera? Oh, it's a great pocket camera. Yeah, both of these I had read both about quite a bit really while I was researching what I would buy. And mm. I, the big mini is the one that I almost got. And then I yeah. got the XA instead. And, and it, yeah, the big mini is actually a really beautiful looking camera. It looks like someone actually, uh, like a product designer designed it. <laughs> it's like really wonderful looking. Um, I don't know anything quality wise. I feel like Konica is going to have a little less contrast, contrasty lens mm. is my guess on that. But, um, yeah, so I bought those. That's really it, I think. I've been into otherwise. Yeah, I've been shooting a lot of film. Shot a Rangefinder 6.7 while I was here, uh, Mamiya, which uh, I really like. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Nothing too much. I've been really is relaxed. That, is that the, uh, which Mamiya is that? Is that the Mamiya 7? Yeah, the 7. Oh, yeah, the 7. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's... Six, I didn't realize it was six seven format. Yeah, six seven. But the I'm design actually, of that camera is beautiful. It is really a nice camera. The yeah, I, I it didn't, feels like a piece of plastic, though. Yeah, it's plasticky. It's, it's not that heavy as well, actually. Yeah. I think they're pretty good workhorses for the most part. I've There's heard very I've little heard. to go wrong on them in a way. They're like leaf shutters, and yeah, it's you know. But the only well, thing I didn't care for was the how far, how close you can't focus. That's what oh, I'm right. gonna say. Like it's like for shooting portraits with that 80 is what I had, mm-hmm. and it's what I was shooting, and it's pretty wide. It's a pretty. It's it feels like it's a, like a well, it's probably like a 40 mil or something, mm-hmm. but it only focuses to three and a half feet. Mm. So it was really actually tough to use because you right. couldn't really push in and and shoot. Is anything. it just that one lens you were yeah. using? There are there other lenses. There that is other lenses. Uh, I think the longest is a 150. Yeah. I don't know what the focus length of that is, but it was a, a, a detraction for me personally. That's I, interesting. I, yeah, I hope to have what I'd like to do this year is a portrait project with my family, mm-hmm. and I don't know, just like anybody, I'm kind of close to doing all medium format yeah. portraits. 
And right now, I kind of started it on the House of Blood, but I really like to do it on something that's six seven. Mm-hmm. It feels like just the nice right format, format for yeah. if you're going to have like a standard portrait of somebody that's going to like last forever. Yeah, um, I'd love well, to. I'd love to get it on. I know six, someone seven. that might want to sell one, so ah. maybe we can talk. Not me. Oh, okay. well, the, the reason I was really curious about that is because the uh, camera store that that I go to. It's down the street. It's where I get all my film process. They've they've had this Mamiya Seven sitting in their their mm-hmm. glass for years. Yeah. It's something that that um, I guess somebody had put on consignment, and then the shop sold, so the oh, consignment was lost. Mm-hmm. So now they they have this camera, but it's just sitting there. It's in great shape. It's mm-hmm. got a sixty five millimeter. Oh, nice, nice. Which I guess is probably the widest, right? Um, no, there it's was a su- there was a super wide as well. Um. I don't remember what size it was, but it was quite wide and came with a different viewfinder. Mm. Um, but it, right. I mean, can... as a carry around camera, it'd be really, it's, I mean, it has a built in meter, you know, like you could use it almost as a point and shoot if you really wanted to, mm. which would be kind of amazing, but they're, it's a, they're wonderful, but that was my limitation with it. It was the folk close focus. Well, but, comparing it to what, what I have been thinking about at my local, at the mm-hmm. camera store yeah. in Calgary, there is a Pentax six, seven yeah. there. Um, a good bang which for the is buck. huge they're huge and heavy <laughs> kind of the opposite by the sounds of what, it so. yeah what I didn't care for in that camera I like it because it's really usable it's like a 35mm camera it's a big um, the they, the shutter sink is only a 30th mm. it's like a, whatever the mechanical right. however it works that's it so at the time that was a really big deterrent um, but yeah I, I, depending I, how you're shooting yes yeah. but I, I mean I love the use, usability of the Mamiya that I have I think is great like the back, the back rotates. You don't have to rotate the camera, mm-hmm. and the, because of the bellows in it, um, the focus range is huge. Like from infinity to like, I don't know, six inches or four inches or whatever. Like it has this huge range of like functionality, and um, yeah, I really like it. Lots of lenses. They're really sharp, but I also would also promote the Hasselblad Classic Six Six. Like a five hundred one or five hundred, or yeah. we'll we'll take the take a look at the one I have downstairs. You can tell me how to use it properly. Yeah, there's something really wonderful about the camera and the glass um, for black and white, especially, was mm. always amazing. It's yeah. nice. It's but German. As long as you have some be. extra change, right? Yeah, but yeah. I feel like they're pretty cheap. Well, the, like, they're all relatively quite yeah. cheap right now. I don't know. I just pulled up the mm-hmm. Mamiya Seven Two with an eighty mil. Yeah. It's about two grand. Does that? Yeah, the Mamiya 7 still are really holding the value yeah. extremely the, well. The Pentax 6.7 I'm looking at is 900. Okay. Oh, I think so from yeah. some, for how I understand it, there's not really a, a whole lot of uh, feature gain in getting the 7.2 over just the Mamiya 7. No. I don't so you're paying don't a lot more for like, there I, was, I can't was, remember what the feature was, but it's only yeah. one thing. I want to say it's like half stops and shutter speeds or something. I and, think it's uh, lamer than that. Is it lamer than that? Yeah. <laughs> it could be. And then the I think you could do a panorama, like thirty you could run thirty five mil through it. But I think you probably should be able to do that on the seven. Yeah, you can. And I've actually I, 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 I read about that and everybody that that talked about it said it was a gimmick feature and that it right. was pretty much useless. Yeah, it seems kind of unnecessary. It's such a agree. weird design. Mm-hmm. They're they're really nice cameras to use, but I mean, it's a rangefinder, so you have to be used to that. Right, right. And um, I don't know, it's nice, but it is a little. It's I don't think functionally, if that's the only camera you're buying, and you happen to shoot studio and all sorts of other, you know, not just like 
outdoor landscapes or something. I don't know if it's the camera I would mm. buy. Looks cool. I'm sure people would think it's cool that saw you other photographers, but I don't know. I think there's. But hopefully that's not what you're buying. For. No, I would hope not. But <laughs> I mean, I think know. that it would be a really cool camera, especially if you had, you know, like the 65 millimeter, um, mm-hmm. just to have as a a travel camera. Yeah, a travel camera would be perfect. Yeah. Like I, I think agree. that having that and my Olympus XA would be super mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And they used to make the, the before the seven was the six. So it was actually a square rangefinder Mimia. And it had a, like a kind of a collapsible, the lens pushed in a bit. It was mm-hmm. actually pretty cool. There's lots of those. I mean, there's a, a six, four, five, there's a couple of six, four, five kind of point and shoot rangefinder out there too. Who's the brand they are now though. Well, the, 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 Oh, range. There's a Fuji, I think. Mm-hmm. And what would the other ones be? Maybe there is Mamiya ones. Like they're old. They're from the eighties. There's probably seventies, eighties, nineties, but they were pretty nice too, but I think they're pretty. Well, the other, like the really there. practical choice seems like the Pentax 645 yeah. N2, I guess it is. Um, yeah. pretty affordable autofocus. Yeah. Right. Like you could just, Carry it around and yeah, use it like could. a real camera yeah. you know, or like a modern camera. Yeah. Um, that, that kind of seems appealing. Like it doesn't seem like my idea of the perfect studio shot would be quite as appealing on that as right. this six, seven, but right. maybe just a little bit more practical. No, it's definitely proud. You get more frames on six, four, five <laughs> yeah. too. I mean, the format is a little more like 35 mil. Yeah. Um, well, anybody who, square. who doesn't know, cause I actually, I don't think I knew this till kind of recently, like mm-hmm. six, seven turns into like a, uh, what a, yeah, what's that? An eight by 10 print. 14, so yeah. it kind of be in a magazine. It's like a perfect full yeah, page exactly. basically and uses a bit more of the film of 120 millimeter film right. than uh six forty five. How yeah. many frames do you get on each? I don't really know. Um, 10 on a six, seven, I think I don't mm-hmm. remember on six, four, five, it's like f- 15 or 16, 16? something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then, yeah, but I agree with the format I, and isn't one of my things about digital is actually how long the format is. Yeah. I, it, I don't, I don't find it nice for cro- like camera cropping. I've always ho- I hoped, yeah. I don't see why they don't play around with 35 mil mm-hmm. formats a little more. Right. Like there isn't, I don't know, there isn't a limitation. I had this idea. So recently as of recording the 50 megapixel Canon was mm-hmm. announced yep. And I had always had this in my back of my head. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if they made it like closer to square? Right. If that's some of where the megapixels came from is by making the sensor a different size. And in in my limited mind, all these lenses are round. So it's already projecting a circular image. So why can't you just take up more of it? Yeah. Uh, I I don't know why not, but (laughs) I'm sure there's a good reason. I'm not sure why they picked, there's probably a reason why they picked that format as well. And just stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously there must be something or someone, maybe Mr. Kodak decided that. One day. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what am I into? I, I know I had something a minute ago. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do another video thing. So you, I don't know. You guys might get bored of this real fast, but <laughs> the, there's a new uh, suite out from uh, red giant, which they do kind of the, my favorite, um, easy to use, but still really powerful color grading, color correction software. And they just re-released their magic bullet suite and brought updates like colorista three, which was not available for final cut until now. And there's some really clever stuff in it that I, I love. Like, uh, I, 
One thing I've missed from Colorista is that it does things like um, identifies all the skin tones in it. So you can draw like it'll show it'll project a mesh over everything that falls into the skin tone range. Mm. And then, you know, when you start pushing it, you know, outside of a natural range or not, um, you can protect them with a mask really easily. Like it gives you kind of automatic king of skin tones. Um, it, it just does all of these really clever things that you don't see in, um, you don't see in the same way in stills software that I really enjoy. So, I mean, for the the whole package, it's like $900 and it comes with a lot of different software that works together just for Colorista, which is my favorite piece of it is 200 bucks. Um, and I haven't bought it. I don't, I don't know if it'll make sense mm. because there's so many options right now. Cause I'm also looking at some, uh, LUT packs, which are like kind of preset packs, um, which would be a little more affordable, but not as powerful. So, uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to spend my money on, but red giant is really great. It lets you also do the processing in the timeline. So the really, a lot of the really powerful software is like you do all your editing in your, um, in Final Cut or Premiere, which is the order things happen in, the speed they happen in, the music and all this. And then you send them on a round trip out to external software to do all your color right. adjustments. And that's often where the bugs have been for me. That's where things start to fall apart. Mm-hmm. There's some like incompatibility somewhere and it just doesn't work. And I've had that happen too many times now. And with uh, the Red Giant stuff, you do it right on the timeline so you can see it in the edit and right. you don't have to do anything right. else and you just hit export. So yeah, that's, that's nice. not bad. Yeah, I'm I'm really into it. They do some pretty great software. So I'll have to check that out. So yeah, uh, I guess that's it. Thanks for all coming right. all the way to Calgary. Just for this podcast. Just for this. I mean, yeah. next time so, there is Skype, so you don't have to there we go. get on a plane just to be yeah. <laughs> But Cameron, you do have to fly here. Yes. <laughs> well I'm I'm really hoping that when I do that you'll maybe do some uh video teaching. Oh yeah. Well we'll be in the same city for a top secret reason soon and maybe we'll do something then. Yeah, I'd be interested in seeing. Hopefully there's time. Yeah, maybe then we won't ha- yeah, no Skype would be fun. You guys better work on your handshake. <laughs> awesome. Podcast handshake. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Later. See ya. They just don't go down in price because they're kind of the same as they used to be. Like, they they haven't changed at all. Just they just stay the same. Do you guys? I mean, it have... might be worth looking at. Oh, I don't hear anyone. It might be worth looking at the um, that's digital one if it's cool. If it does anything special, but no, no, no that's, does... this is the one I rented and like I just I don't like the screen thing and it's going to use way more batteries. It's going to use way and, more batteries. Like yeah, you never. And you're just not batteries. getting any advantage. Like. Um, the only advantage better. of some of these other ones is you have like dual ISOs on them, stuff like that. So you don't have to change anything. Some will have like basic memories as well. But I mean, I bought that, whatever this set was, well, 700. Now it used to be a 600. Like I bought it from an old photo student for like a hundred dollars. Isn't it crazy? So. Because think of like, think of a Canon rebel is like the mm. same price and it's light meter <laughs> is more advanced than this. Yeah, in a right. way it is. Right? Like it can do, because it can do white balance. It, mm-hmm. it can do color really well. Yeah. And what it can. Would be ama- Sorry, so, why it's so expensive. What would be amazing if the digital, these new lighter meters actually had color meters built into them? Yeah. Like that would oh be a game God. changer if it was like one thing. That, that, well, that's maybe if they could just do that at a reasonable price, this is what would save yeah. the light meter industry. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't, do you think they're hurting? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 don't I know. think, actually, it's hard to say. 
I think less less think professionals are using them. Yeah, for sure. Well, like, like less people are using them, but there are also are more photographers. So yeah, my because my like my friend I asked about last night, he was just saying that he's like my setups are just so basic for what he does. He shoots uh, stock of the job. He's like they're just you know it's a lot of natural light and mm-hmm. like you know half the look. He's like I just don't need to physically meter because I know what it's gonna what I'm doing like mm-hmm. what. Not what I'm doing, but I know what the setup is, and it's basic. So yeah. it's not like I need to. It's not like oh, I got my text blowing up here. But the color, the color meter thing would, would be, be huge because all of a sudden, like, especially for video, when you yeah. need to match fluorescence, when you need to match tungsten lights, yeah. when you're using hot lights to yeah. match things, yeah, God, I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd be so helpful. It would be actually. <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of. I mean, you can do it in, in raw. I mean, like that's the thing. Like I think people, but, well, but not care. when you're gelling. When, no, no, when you're no, matching. That's, true, though, right? that's the thing. Yeah. So it's like this light. Yeah. How do I get my? No, that's fair. How to get my one K to match daylight? Color, I, I, don't, I bet that you can't buy a color meter anymore. Oh well, isn't this one? I think there's is there a color meter? Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm surprised. Oh, no, there's an actual yes. color meter. Yeah, and they were always they were always outrageously expensive. Fifteen hundred dollars. And or I could just buy like a. See, you could yeah. just buy like a rebel and it'd give you the, re- but it gives you the wrong <laughs> reading, right? It doesn't give you the right information. Exactly. Like I want to know. Oh, it's a new release as well. <laughs> That's a brand new light meter. I just want to know what huh. do I like, which gel do I need to take yeah. the magenta out of my LEDs? Right. For example, okay. like I need a green gel for my, this is a problem I have right now. Yeah. My, my, the LED video lights we have yeah. are totally not daylight. Right. And I don't know how much to gel them. Right. To well, correct that, for it. Yeah, that's fair. It's really frustrating. It is. I mean, they make, yeah. No, that's fair. But, I mean, that would be a great light meter. If someone made a, a combo that was actually affordable. Because 1500 yeah. bucks, that's asking a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, why you doesn't some to, other company come in? Like, okay, I can see. So maybe Sekonic's not hurting. Maybe right. because that's where everybody goes. Yeah. But it's a perfect space for Lumu to come in with, like, right. what if they made a proper light meter and yeah. charged... You know, four hundred bucks for it that did everything. I'll get your Kickstarter going. And yeah, yeah, there you go. First, the first five are gold plated <laughs> for you know twenty thousand dollars each. I don't yeah, know. I think fair. that the, the the big question here is that we've we've gotten this far without one. I know this is my oh, fear. Yeah, I'm going to go and too. drop like five hundred bucks, three hundred bucks even. Yeah, and then just keep shooting the way I've always shot. Right, and I know I would do better. Like. I'll do better if I just sit down and force myself to learn it, but I'll have to do that when it's not a job. Right. So I have to find like free time to do extra shoots that I'm just like only thinking about metering. Yeah. And I know it'll take, because I don't just have to learn it. I also have to replace my old habits. Right. Which is almost harder than learning it in the first place. If I learned it originally, I'd be doing it already. That's fair. But well, but I don't like that you're like accepting it because I want somebody to tell well, me just, like no 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 you'll be so much better off. Well, you will be so much better off. But if you don't, <laughs> it's like stopping smoking. You'd be better not smoking too. But <laughs> you're not going to stop. Like, or most people don't. You know, it's tough. Yeah. But it's I think not worth wasting you, breath trying to convince you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, people, ah, live your life. I'm pretty open that way. Like it's your it's your life. I mean, I don't you can do your thing. Just don't tell me how to live mine, and we're fine. <laughs> Um, but I think if you got some really good results, you would probably be, you'd be like, okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah. And I think also if I started, especially if I started suddenly getting video jobs, yeah. a bunch, if I'm, yeah. if I really was doing video work, like I'd start feeling more and more embarrassed not to be using yeah. a light. Well, even what you're saying with like even backgrounds, yeah. I mean, I do walk through the set triggering it. 
Mm-hmm. Like I do that and share like the background you keep going. So it's, yeah. Like, I mean, that's a pretty uh, practical use for it. Yeah. But I mean, just that alone. I mean, people, I mean, you can fix so much stuff in post. It's just, I almost do it um, as well as like, I feel like maybe a little anal about it, but because I don't want to spend extra five hours and doing her image on something or whatever, like trying to fix everything that, so I do oh, as yeah. much in camera okay, cleaning people, up as possible. People that say that they can just they can just fix it in poster yeah. and just dilute it. Like Oh yeah. And the people that think that probably also aren't as good at Photoshop anyway. Right. Like That's true too. <laughs> a that lot of the true. time what they think yeah. of as having fixed the light looks yeah. like garbage. Yeah, no, that's like, fair. Totally. <laughs> it's uh it's yeah, it's a slippery slope, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, whether you're using a meter or not, getting yeah. it right in camera is like, that's, yeah. that will never change. But, I mean, you could start, you probably could start using your meter on this portrait, family portrait thing. Yeah. It's going to be slowed down. It's going to be people, you know, well, what I've you been doing, the do way I've been metering you know. it so far, cause I don't have one yeah. is yeah. Like bringing my, yeah. my digital up. I'm hoping that they're similar enough. Yeah. And I like spot meter on the face Yeah, and yeah, I was gonna say, if you at spot the same meter, ISO. Yep. It will give you pretty close. Yeah, and then I just overexpose a little. Um, I'm usually a half stop over in digital too for skin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, film. Especially. You do you go half stop over for digital skin? Yep. Hmm. But I place it there. I you, actually that was interesting that when I was testing the meter against my internal meter, so getting a really accurate reading out of my camera out of the mm-hmm. 5D, and then using the meter. Um, I found it try the meter set neutrally, like almost brought me like a stop brighter. Right. Like it wanted to expose everything yeah. brighter. Interesting. And I, and all of a sudden I was like, I don't really know what a meter thinks is normal. You know, like, I don't well, know what its zone, base point is. Yeah, zone five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. But, but it, was, um, it was much brighter yeah, than the 5d aimed for. Yeah, and I wondered which if I was, would be surprised. I would say that digital would be brighter mm-hmm. because I feel like the ISOs are a little hotter. Well, well, so I was wondering if the, uh, if the digitals were doing this to protect their highlights, like if it was a defense mechanism. Oh yeah, it could be. That's fair. You know, it's like, it's just safer if you go under, but that doesn't make sense that like every built-in light meter is slightly underexposing. I don't know, but it was definitely, they were not giving me the exact same readings. So. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, it would give you, get you in the ballpark, I think. Yeah. But I actually thought the digital would be hotter. Yeah. Because of the ISOs. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you probably could figure, you know, if you don't want to get a slight meter, you probably could figure out, look at your film and like, okay, it's too hot. And then go down to 80 instead of 100 on your digital right. camera yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. You probably could uh, get around. Well, I actually, I mean, I liked the exposure is giving me more. I liked the image right away out of the yeah. 5D a little more. And usually, yeah, to be honest, I probably go half stop over kind of with, yeah. not as a policy, but yeah. it just ends up happening a lot yeah. of the time. It just punch. It just drives eye. But I think a lot of I mean, you can do all this stuff. But I think if you frame it terribly to start with, I mean, yeah, well, photography is totally. a you know harsh mistress. You know? <laughs> like, like I, don't I know, mean, the- like framing is a huge part of it, and like where you place it so people look at certain things. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of back end that I don't think a lot of people think about. Mm-hmm. Well, I, like what we try to assume in this show, anyway, is that we're talking to people that are already yeah like decent, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, <laughs> there are a lot of people that have a lot of learning to do and hopefully we'll have something interesting yeah. for them. But like, there's a certain amount of just, yeah, like the, you know, having the eye or having right. a, a sense of what mm-hmm. is good that we're just assuming yeah. that our beautiful audience has. Right. 
Well, I also think that, that we're learning things just by talking about it. Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>